Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another edition of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host, Spencer Brown. And joining me tonight, we have Dalton Bishop. Hey. And Christian Ernst. What is up? We got a lot of exciting content ahead of us. But first, we'll start over with uh, baseball, where, as it seems like every week now, this was within the last week, we've seen uh, – we had two no-hitters on back-to-back days. I'm, I think – or are these not the back-to-back days? I can't remember because there's so many no hitters at this yeah. point. It Here's seems back days. Yeah, yeah. We had the Tigers. Spencer Turn uh, Turnbull. He threw a no hitter, and then the Yankees. Corey Kluber threw a no hitter, and um, one was the Mariners. And I remember hearing the Mariners had like a sub two hundred. I think was, they had the worst batting average in the league. So seeing the Mariners get no hit is not a surprise to anyone. But it's just it's crazy that we could see one of the best and most no hitters in a single season this year. Just because you know they have all the official ones, and then you have that mad bum seven inning no hitter they threw because of you know the COVID protocols. They put seven inning no hitters in there. I just want another perfect game. That's what I want to see because we haven't seen one of those in almost nine years at this point. But the question that needs to be asked and begged. I mean, first of all, congratulations to those pitchers for throwing a no hitter. But is hitting down – it seems to be, like, across the board that hitting is down this season for some reason. Some maybe say because the balls have been dead because, you know, we had, like, a year or so ago, we had the most home runs in the league. And I think there's some kind of happy medium between, like, home runs and then also, like, I don't want to say no hitters, but, like, some low-hitting game pitching duels. I mean, both, in my opinion, are fun. It just kind of depends how the game is structured and going. So it makes you beg the question, is there a hitting problem with baseball this year? And I'll start with Christian on your uh, your take on that. Is there a hitting problem in baseball this year? I mean, I wouldn't say uh, a huge hitting problem. Uh, being a fan of the Cincinnati Reds, and we had a series against the San Francisco Giants, Giants absolutely just whooped us 19-4 one night. And, I mean, looking at, like, the total difference of a lot of these teams, I mean, most of the AL teams, uh, you know, the good ones, like Tampa Bay and Boston, they got big differential and big, um, you know, run differences between each other. But I would say run – I would say hitting maybe down in a sense of, like, last several years, it was home run after home run – you know, every other day. But, I mean, you're, you're typically seeing, like, kind of close games, 4-2. Uh, you see an occasional, like, 21 from, like, what Atlanta did against Pitt. Uh, I wouldn't say hitting's really down. I think it's at a good kind of medium. But it, it's got to be, you know, with the no-hitters and everything, uh, it's really kind of fun to see that. Uh but I guess I guess I could see that, you know, it's down in a way that doesn't make baseball as exciting uh, because you don't see you know home runs every day. You don't see you know two run or three run shots. You just see like a little hit, hit, hit. Um, but I would say it's down in a sense of you know to try and create MLB, you know, give them energy, uh, for trying to get from the youth. Um, I guess it's down in that sense, but I still think it's at a good medium of where it should be. Yeah, I mean, the record for most no-hitters in a season, and this is uh, since the 80 – okay, so it was 8 in 1884. If you go with the modern era, 
You have seven, which occurred 1990, 1991, and then 2012, which was a crazy year. I think we had two or three perfect games in that year alone. Uh, that was a crazy year. This year, you know, like I guess the no-hitters, it's been three teams. You have the Rangers, who've been no-hit twice. The Cleveland Indians have been no-hit twice. And the Seattle Mariners have been no-hit twice. Like I said, the Mariners have one of the worst hitting – I think they have the worst hitting percentage in baseball this year. So it's not even surprised that they're on this list twice. Uh, Don, do you think there's a hitting problem in baseball this year? Yeah, sorry, Spence. I tried to answer, but I got kicked <laughs> off a bit. So, uh, I think that there definitely is sort of a hitting problem, but also I think the pitching the more now than probably more than ever is um, really, really important. Uh, it seems like we're seeing no hitters every other night. Um, it used to be one of those exciting stats where, like, oh, they threw a no hitter. And it's like we don't really see it that often. Now it's just so and so, like Corey Kluber threw a no hitter. All right, that's cool, and then we move on. Like it's not, it's not as uh, exciting and rare as it used to be. Um, but I think it's, I think it's down maybe just a little bit. Uh, I think, I think really high-scoring baseball games or, you know, the home runs and all the explosive offense, that's something that's died down a little bit um, to go off of what um, you guys were talking about earlier. So, Yeah, and again, we haven't seen one now five days. It's been a long time since we've seen enough here at this point. It's a crazy year we had in. I mean, we'll see if there's another no-hitter. We'll have it. We'll be discussing it here. But again, I don't want to take anything away from what – these guys have done because it's still an amazing accomplishment to them. Um, speaking of amazing accomplishments, we have uh, over in the PGA, which we discussed golf from time to time, also with the majors. And uh, this one was important. Uh, I just uh, Phil Mickelson became the oldest golfer to win a major. He is 50 years old, which is basically turned back the clock on uh, at this past weekend's tournament, the PGA Championship. Um, you know, Phil's had a great career. He's been like during our lifetime, you know, just growing up, of course, there's Tiger, but Phil, you know, was always up there neck and neck with Tiger, uh, at least in the final weekend for most of the rounds that we've seen. And I'm glad to see him winning again because, you know, it's, it had been a while since he had tasted success like this. So it's always um, good to see one of these guys and, you know, the oldest one to ever win at 50 years old. I mean, I don't know. There's no age limit with golf, really. So he can the golf's a sport that most people just some people just play recreationally. These guys play professionally, and the fact that he's fifty years old and he could be if he wanted to playing like an older person league. He's going out there with the young boys and he can still hang with them for sure. Uh, I'll go uh, Dalton first. Just uh, your takeaway from Phil Mickelson winning the PGA Championship this past weekend. Yeah, man, I thought it was pretty dope. Like he was, I think he was even or over par after the first day and then his second day the man he got he uh let's see he, he golfs a 69 i think mm-hmm. which which you know is pretty outstanding and um i think after the second day he was he was leading uh by one or two strokes and by day three it just carried in and his Veteran golfing experience, which take that for what it's worth. 
uh, considering everyone who golfs nowadays on the PGA Tour and the championship are seasoned veterans, in quotations. Uh, just He just figured out how to not blow it. And congrats, congrats. That, that, that's a pretty... It's a pretty pretty cool thing to to happen to you to be the oldest guy to win a win the uh, PGA or win a major period. Yeah, he had the last major he had won was the Open Championship in 2013. He had won a couple uh, a couple tournaments, but they weren't major tournaments, like I said. Uh, Christian, your your overall takeaway of like him, he held off Brooks Kepka, who's a who's um Brooks is 31, so there's a big age difference there. So, but I mean, age is just a number here in golf, it seems. Mm-hmm. So, Christian, your takeaway on a uh, Phil Mickelson's tournament win? Uh, I was actually really happy because, I mean, like you said, he hasn't won like an actual major since 2013, and mm-hmm. like, I don't know about y'all two, but I definitely was not into golf in 2013, or at least like paid attention in any sort of way. So, to watch Phil Mickelson actually win for the first time, win a major. Uh, it was really cool. It was. I was like, this was like back in the Masters. I was kind of like, you know what? I would have loved to see Phil like win a Masters or win uh, one of these big events like the Open or uh, you know the PGA Championship or you know winning the Masters would be amazing for him or whatever. Just see him win, and like the crowd erupted when uh, you know he sank in his shot, and it was it was great. You know, and Brooks Kepka, I mean, I remember it was – I think it was the very first hole. Phil and Brooks were, were tied at six under. And then on the first hole, Brooks got a birdie and Phil got a bogey. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Is he actually going to screw this up? And lucky enough, Phil battled back. Brooks had a couple holes where I think he actually had a double bogey. I think he got a double bogey on one of one of the holes, but you know, it, you know, Phil got lucky, you know, in the sense of he kept his cool and you know he just let Brooks let him, uh, mess himself up. So it's great to see uh, Mc, uh, Phil Mickelson win a uh, major title in kind of like our lifetime as like we're paying attention to it. So I thought that was my takeaway. Yeah, and golf is a sport, you know. I watch it sporadically. I don't know how, if you guys watch golf like regularly or if you even play golf. But again, just such a great accomplishment for him. And, you know, hopefully Phil can keep up and win another one before he decides to call it quits in his career. Um, other uh, news. This one broke earlier today. I'm, here's the thing. We were going to discuss this, and then it got juicier information here. And that is uh, the NFL's Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons. He's been rumored – He's requested a trade. There's reports that came out today that the Falcons were seeking a first-round pick before the draft. Now they're like, hey, we'll settle for a second. There's also the reports, you know, you see with a lot of star players is we don't want to trade in conference, which the Falcons are the NFC. They want to trade them to the AFC, but they also, at this point, they're like, we will take whatever we can get for Julio Jones. And, you know, if I, if I see a second-round pick price tag, I'm trading like two or three right now. I'm calling Atlanta and say, hey, We'll give you three seconds. Let's negotiate from there and see who else is offering stuff. Because Julio is – he's getting up there in age a bit for a receiver especially, but he is still a very talented player, and he would be very helpful for a team. And then, of course, today on uh, FS1's Undisputed, Shannon Sharp appears to have, you know, cold-called the guy just uh, out of 
the Blues, like, hey, what's your uh, situation now? Because apparently Julio was photographed uh, wearing a Cowboys shirt or sweatshirt or something along the lines of Cowboys memorabilia, which, of course, if you're familiar with the show, Skip Bayless, huge Cowboys fan. And uh, they, they were, like, shooting the breeze about that. Um, and and uh, Julio dropped a bombshell, hey, I'm, I'm out of there from Atlanta. He wants to go to a place where he can win, which is, of course, what everyone says. There's also a whole legal aspect with, uh, you know, California's two consent rules with what's being recorded. And that's a whole legal system thing, which I'm not a legal expert. I don't know what the repercussions would be. I don't think jail time's at stake here about this. Another thing, just the comments that Julio made, I won't get on that topic. Of I'm out of there, which appears that he's had the conversation with Atlanta. So it's not like he just dropped the bombshell and Atlanta was not familiar with his terms. Atlanta and, and him had had conversations like, hey, Let's move me to a destination that we, you know, be suitable for both sides of the organization. Then get a good return. Um, personally, I mean, I would love to see me in New England, but I think San Francisco, just because, you know, San Francisco has Kyle Shanahan, who was his coach or OC that one year they had the Super Bowl. I think they can get some uh, – I think that's a team to watch out for. I don't know. I'll go Christian first. Either the comments you they said today on Undisputed, and then, like, what a team that you think is going to be, like, in the mix for him. Um, I thought, you know, the comments were appropriate in the sense of Julio probably didn't know it was recorded. You know, he probably thought, oh, they're on a commercial break and they're, you know, they're seeing how it was. But I, I don't know if Shannon, if that was smart on Shannon's part to just, hey, <laughs> let's just call this dude and basically like give have like an interview with him, even though... He has no idea. And, like, apparently he was in his car because yeah. he hooked up, you know, his phone to the speaker so he could talk more. But – and, like, hear back. But I think I think Julio Jones kind of deserves, you know, being allowed to, you know, leave and ask for a trade because Atlanta only had really one good year. Um, and, of course, I was with the Kyle Shanahan, uh, Matt Ryan, MVP level kind of uh, – you know, play, Atlanta was really good at one moment. And I think Atlanta should trade, get the best offer for Julio getting a good and comfortable position. You know, he shouldn't trade him to the Houston Texans, who may be without Deshaun Watson. Um, I think a team, man, like NFC-wise, I think a team that would really be interesting would be the Dallas Cowboys or the Washington football team. Um, AFC-wise, you know, a lot of people are talking about the Raiders uh, trying to get more speed for their car, but I think they need more offensive line help for that. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him like in Indianapolis or something. I think that could be really well for Carson Wentz. Uh, he's got T.Y. Hilton, but, there, you know, he's he's a good one. But I think Julio is the one, and I think he would be great for them. So I would say Indianapolis would be my favorite place for him to land. That would be very exciting to watch. That would give Carson a receiver that he can, you know, light the league and rejuvenate his career back. Uh, Dalton, your takeaways on, uh, you know, take it how you want. Julio's comments on FS1's Undisputed, team that you think, you know, could be in the mix and uh, make the most sense for Julio's future. Yeah, um, I, I mean, he's not really – Julio's 
I mean, if he wants to leave, he wants to leave, I guess. He was just saying what he was thinking. Contract. Yeah, I mean, I, and, uh, I mean, come on, let's let's be honest here. Falcons are not going to win anytime soon. Can we all agree on that? No, not well, I, don't right now, yeah. I think I think they'd be a wild card team potentially. Okay. That's just my take. I mean, there's a lot that can go on, but yeah, they're not in the uh, position to make the Super Bowl run again. Um so I mean you can't blame Julio for wanting to uh leave, especially after this past season. I think because he's also getting up there in age, like you all mentioned. I think he's 30, 31, something like that. Uh, he was injured some last year. Um, you know, I feel like he wants to get back to um, being on a Super Bowl contending team. That being said, uh, teams that I would look out for probably – Sam Fran's a good one. I think that that would give the 49ers um, that, you know, that front seat in the NFC West uh, as favorites to win it. Um, the Ravens would be a good spot to that give Lamar Jackson electric. to give Lamar Jackson another wide receiver to throw to. Um, I really like the Colts. Colts too as well. Uh, for a split second, I was that I was thinking about the Chiefs, but I was like, nah, they they already have too many people. Plus, your uh, first round pick would be in near the bottom of the right. draft. Well, actually, that's part of the second round pick. You could just throw in a first round pick. It's like, hey, it's gonna be a late first, more than likely. But that's true. You could do that. Uh, I mean, if they were asking for a first, I mean, round if I'm pick. the Chiefs, I make the offer at least. But yeah. right. I mean, what's the? I mean, you don't have to ask Julio to play all sixteen or start all sixteen. I, like, you could just use him as a rotational player or whatever. Um, but those teams probably were a few. Um, Seattle could make a run for him. Yeah, I think any team you know, you'd at least make the. A contact with them, like, hey, let's negotiate something, like, or like yeah. just checking in. You gotta do your due diligence here. Exactly, you're exactly right. Yeah. So I, I think of the people like notable, I think Julio is the most likely to be moved first, rather than like Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. Let's get to that note too. Yeah. yeah that uh, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson deciding not to show up to OTAs. I don't think it's as big a story as people are making it out to be. I don't think OTAs are. I mean, yeah, it's critical to a team development, but I don't think it's the uh, the biggest thing in the world for them to be skipping out on OTAs, especially because, like, a guy like Rodgers, he's a best at veteran, been there for a while. But, I mean, it is – it can be important for team chemistry and whatnot, developing with the young guys. And also, we know how outspoken these guys have been about their uh, disgruntlement with their current franchises – and wanting to move out, and maybe they're trying to force a hand here by saying, "Hey, I'm not. I'm just not going to show up to OTAs." But again, I'm not thinking it's too big of a storyline. But yeah, it is something to monitor going forward. I don't know. Maybe you guys have a different take than I do. Uh, I'll go Dalton first. Uh, just uh, your takeaways from like you know Watson and uh, Rogers saying, "Hey, I'm not going to go to OTAs this year." All right. Um, 
obviously the Sean Watson is very uh, different from Aaron Rodgers' whole situation. Uh, with you know Deshaun dealing with the legal case outside of um, you know that whole thing that he's got going on. Not surprised that Rodgers doesn't want to show up to camp. I don't know, Christian. You might have a different different opinion on this, but I'm not surprised. Obviously, after what they what the Packers management the the Packers management has done um, for the past couple drafts. Especially um, whenever a good player comes up on the market, they don't really do anything. Um, I'm not shocked. Not shocked. And now what would be shocking is if Aaron Rodgers takes it even further and decides to set out. That would be shocking. But as of right now, not going to OTAs uh, was, 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 was coming. It was coming. So, yeah, uh, Christian, I know you have been, uh, you've, sh- I know you at least shared a post on Instagram about, uh, Rogers and deciding to skip OTA. So I just want to get your uh, whole takeaway. Cause I mean, I know you've been in the past of expressed frustration with the Packers organization. Like, Hey, you do something to keep your best player around at least. So yeah. just your thoughts on Watson and Rogers holding out of OTAs. Um, yeah, kind of like don't mention, I think Watson's a different kind of story. Um, I think if he, you know, goes OTAs and goes to, you know, goes out in front of the media, there's going to be a lot of uh, bad kind of backlash on the Houston organization, on Deshaun, because it's like, well, he's dealing with the legal issues, but yet he's good to go for OTAs and just kind of not have to worry about that. Um, So for Deshaun, I think it's smart not putting himself nor Houston in a bad situation um, I mean, we like, you know, before all this stuff came out, like everybody wanted Deshaun. And I think if none of this stuff happened, Deshaun would be on his new, I think he would be on a new football team. And, you know, he kind of be in OTAs preparing for this upcoming season. But for A-Rod, I mean, I'm not mad. It's just, he's still bitter with Green Bay. I mean, he he gets a receiver first round. Doesn't have to be probably his number one receiver. They just pick up a wide receiver. Elijah Moore, two two. Um, I'm trying to remember who else was all there. Rondell Moore. Like he pick pick up any weapon for him. I think Aaron would just go on the camp, and he'd be like, okay, Green Bay at least tr- is trying to repair. But you know they signed Blake Bortles. You know who. I mean, he's Blake Bortles, but he's a former first-round pick for some reason. And then they're picking up a whole bunch of quarterbacks because they're probably not going to have Aaron Rodgers. And there was some rumor that I saw where Denver, if Denver does trade for Aaron Rodgers, Teddy Bridgewater may come as a Green Bay Packer, which would be really fun. Uh, And you got two Louisville guys on the same team, Jair and – uh, Teddy, which would be awesome. But I think for Aaron Rodgers, I mean, there's got to be a point where either Aaron doesn't come in period and he is just waiting to be traded or retire or something, or Aaron decides, you know, screw it, I'll play one more year, and then next year I'm out. Doesn't matter what happens, 
we can win the Super Bowl or we can go 0-17 now because it's a 17-game season, I'm out of Green Bay. It don't matter. So I think that's where we are with Aaron Rodgers. I think he will finish his career somewhere else, even though he would love to do it in Green Bay. But, I mean, Aaron's got to do what he's got to do to just send a message and, you know, we'll see what happens. It's going to be – I mean, Green Bay has already decided they want Jordan Love for the future, kind of like what, you know, Rodgers was to Favre. So it's sadly going to be interesting to see what happens with A-Rod in Green Bay. Yeah, and again, back to my sentiment on it, I don't think it's that big of a deal. OTs are not mandatory. They're optional. Of course, the O does not stand for optional. It's organized team activities. But it's not a mandatory thing, although some people – I had to look this up because I want to – Make sure I had it right before I said something that was inaccurate. OTAs are optional; they're not mandatory. So, but the, but some people do have a workout bonus and get paid for it. Uh, real quick, I just want to update people on the NHL playoffs. Uh, just we're just gonna quickly go and just update. I'm not gonna go in depth with anything. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche sweep the St. Louis Blues to advance to the second round, and uh, the Boston Bruins defeated the Capitals four games to one to advance to the second round. Tonight, Vegas, Golden Knights can end their series against the Wild if they get a victory. Uh, other news around the NHL, we have the Winnipeg is up three games to none on Edmonton. Uh, Toronto and Montreal tied at one. Tampa Bay Lightning up three games to one on uh, the Florida Panthers. Uh, Predators and Hurricanes tied at two games apiece. And then the uh, Penguins Islanders, which that game is going on as we speak, the series is tied 2-2. And uh, as we're recording, it's one nothing Pittsburgh. It's in the first period. But, of course, this game will probably be long gone over by the time you are listening to this podcast. So that's really irrelevant to anything in some of these series. But that's what we have as of uh, now. Uh, we're going to take a quick ad break and then come back with the NBA, which, again, some of the information we discussed will probably be inaccurate by the time you're listening. And we're back, which uh, the NBA, we haven't done a show since last week. We did a whole preview. We... Uh, I was thinking we might come back before between the playing round and the first round, but again, schedules didn't align. It was also Friday, I didn't want to do a weekend pod because I feel we we'll, we'll all be busy. But uh, the playing term, I want to get uh, first off, just your all's thoughts on the whole idea. I think it for what it was structured to do, it, it worked out this year. I think that, like, like uh, Adam Silver said, they're gonna try to tweak it out a bit. I think the uh, having the chance for a seven seed to miss it completely and the 10 seed make it, I think. I think we'll see an 8-9 kind of scenario in the future. I think this year they just want the revenue. and Because, uh, I mean, Golden State it fell out. They were 8, and they fell out, and they missed it completely because Memphis was surging hot at the end there. And uh, shout out to Memphis because they also took game one against the Jazz, which we'll discuss a little later on. But uh, the playing tournament worked. Of course, I mean, you're going to get some blowouts in a game here and there. And we got a few with uh, the Pacers blew out the Hornets, and then they got blown out by the Wizards. But, of course, you have the Western Conference. You have the Warriors-Lakers, which was the instant classic we all thought it was going to be. And then the Warriors-Grizzlies, which we all thought the Warriors would win because, you know, they're just a better team. But uh, the Grizzlies showed they were a better team that night, and they ended up shocking the world. They ended up having a close game. So it definitely was very good for the league. And I think we'll see some kind of format of it to stay in the future. Uh, I'll go Christian first. Uh, just your overall takeaway from the uh, the play-in games. Uh, I thought it was really cool. I mean, uh, we did. Well, I was really wrong on the East because I thought Charlotte would do something, and then how Indiana played, I'd be like, okay, they're going to be Washington. Totally wrong on both. 
Uh, and then, you know, I thought Washington would beat Boston. That didn't happen. So the East, I struck out on all of that. But I think the West was really more interesting because, uh, number one, John Morant is – I think he and Trey Young are going to be the top two point guards in the league in the next several years. I think these are the two guys, point guard-wise, that will be uh, the keys for this franchise. And they look promising. Memphis and Atlanta look promising to possibly be something more. Um Golden State, you know, the L.A. game, that was really fun. Um, you know, L.A., you know, buzzer beater to win that game. Uh, and, you know, we'll talk about, you know, the game with the Suns. But Golden State missing out, I think it, it's, you know, it's painful for Steph Curry because Clay got hurt. You know, young up-and-comer James Wiseman's hurt. Draymond can only do so much. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is inconsistent. I mean, they don't have a guy, a number two besides Steph, uh, that could really help Golden State win. And he's really had to, you know, go all out there. And he may possibly win MVP, you know, due to, you know, how he got Golden State to the uh, play-in. You know, sadly they lost. But, I mean, good job for Memphis. I love seeing that. And, you know, we'll see how far Memphis can go. But I think the biggest takeaway for me is Golden State had, you know, had a big lead against the Lakers, kind of blew it, and they never really found their step against Memphis, and they sadly uh, missed the playoffs entirely. Yeah. Dolan, your uh, takeaway from the NBA play-in tournament this year? Um, My takeaway is um, – Man, now I mean, I'm my takeaway probably would be the Wizards, like the East. They were able to, despite losing to the Celtics, they were able to come back and beat the Pacers, who blew out the Hornets. Um, of course, I'm not surprised that the Lakers beat the Warriors. Um, but I mean the play and the Grizzlies, man. The Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are a tough team, man. They will. They're young and gritty for sure. They will. They will crawl. They will claw at you and all sorts of mean stuff um, to get what they want. And so, yeah, like you said, Spence, they're gritty, and that's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting series, the Jazz and the Grizzlies. That's, but those are my takeaways uh, from this past weekend for the playing games. So we actually have breaking news as we're recording the show. The NBA's announced that uh, Jordan Clarkson has won Sixth Man of the Year. And I thought it was gonna be like because you know the NBA Coaches Association, you know they announced Monty Williams for Coach of the Year. It's not the official Coach of the Year award, which I didn't realize they announced it this early. So I know sometimes they, you know, I know in the past they've had that award ceremony like a month after the season, which didn't really seem authentic. It's like, who cares at this point? But I guess they're going back to the old ways. In Utah Jazz, Jordan Clarkson, which Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you pick Clarkson preseason for sixth man of the year? I, I don't know. I forget exactly, but I thought Jordan Clarkson would definitely be one of those guys because he, I mean, he was a good dude in Cleveland for a long time, and he was always, you know, kind of a 15 to 20-point average kind of guy to help Cleveland out. And Utah, he was that same role. So I think I probably said him. I don't know if I actually picked him. But if I did, that would be sweet. 
Yeah, I need to, I need to write that down next year for when we do our NFL predictions and NBA. I need to like write down everything that we say so that I can look back in the future instead of just, you know, I heard that. But anyway, shout congratulations to Jordan Clarkson. He finished first. Joe Ingles finished second. Apparently, it's a video clip, which I'll have to listen to after we're done recording, where Joe Ingles congratulated Jordan Clarkson on winning the uh, Sixth Man of the Year award. Derrick Rose finished third place. Jalen Brunson from Dallas, which I kind of forgot he was in Dallas. I, I, it's sporadically watching games. Also, Tamari Jr., also in Dallas, round at the top uh, five. So, I guess they think Dallas and Utah is really deep this year, which Utah appears they are. Um, I know my preseason, preseason pick was Chris Boucher. He didn't get seven votes this year or seven points for six-man. Don, do you remember who you had for six-man preseason? Because I know that was a very tricky award to predict. I had Spencer Dinwiddie. Oh gosh, that, I mean oh, that, wow. that wasn't a bad pick. It just only really transpired. It wasn't a bad pick at the moment. No, it was no. not. But anyway, uh, Don, your take on Jordan Clarkson winning uh, Sixth Man of the Year this year? Well deserved, dog. Are you serious right now? Well deserved. Hmm. Uh, he, of course, the Jazz got the number one seed, so I'm sure that also had to play into it. But well deserved. Uh, he's. He's one of the better six men in the league um, and obviously was capable of being the best this year uh, by winning the award. But, yeah, I mean, he's been he's been balling. He's been balling the entire year, uh, helping the helping the helping the jazz in the second unit. Um, uh, a along with the starters uh, getting the number one overall seed and also the best record in the NBA. So, congrats. And uh, real quick, Jordan Clarkson averaged 18 points a game. He was the second leading scorer in Utah. It was Donnie, and then it was Jordan. So, he, so yeah, he and uh, Bogdanovich and even Joe Ingles, they were uh, really helping out Utah uh, bench-wise. Interesting. Um, let's stay on the topic of Utah. And, you know, you also mentioned Memphis. Of the game, and again, we're not going to try to overreact too much. Again, it's just one game, and again, the caveat: Utah was out without Donovan Mitchell and Gobert fouled out in the fourth quarter. Again, not, not to discredit anything from Memphis because it was a very impressive win, and we all picked Jazz in six for the record, so we all knew Memphis was going to take one, maybe two games. We all think they're going to take two at least. So, not entirely shocked that Memphis won a game. A little surprised it was game one, but you know, Memphis. We saw last year, and I was texting Dawn earlier. The Lakers, you know, they lost to a Portland team that was, you know, Portland was fresh off a play-in victory over last year's Memphis Grizzlies team. And they took game one against the Lakers before the Lakers ended up winning four straight and then <laughs> advanced into the second round, and, you know, they ended up winning it all last year. So, again, I, again, these are two completely different scenarios. Last year's Lakers team is not this year's Utah team. Last year's Portland team is not this year's Memphis team. We all have no clue how it's going to play out. But, you know, this is interesting that – the play-in was in play last year because of the suspension. And it seems like a team that has played has that momentum. Then, you know, they come out and and even watching them, they were close to a victory after playing two games. So Boston got destroyed. Well, they were close for a bit and got they lose at the end. And the Lakers, you know, they lost. But Memphis-Utah was a very surprising uh, result there. And I, I, I was a little surprised. But, again, still a lot can go on in the next uh, – few games i'll go Dalton versus uh, i mean how surprised were you because i was a little surprised and i i'm not gonna go to very but it was a shocking result to say the least uh how surprised were you to see memphis pull up the upset in game one i was very surprised but 
the thing too was I know you were talking to me about this, Spencer, like you talked before, but Donnie didn't play, and Rudy Gobert, what he got, he he, he fouled out. I forget how play time for... was. I want to say it was six minutes. I'm not entirely sure on that time. He he fouled out sometime in the fourth. Um, the the like the Jazz were still in it despite all of that. They were still in it. Um. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's it's shocking at first, but then you you realize that ah, the the Grizzlies were at full health, and the Jazz were missing arguably their top two pieces towards the end of the game when it all matters because the fourth quarter obviously is you know it holds precedent in terms of importance obviously you know guys towards like the end of the game you know you want to put your best players in. Utah can't exactly do that if their best defensive player fouled out and Donnie didn't even play. Uh, so I think, honestly, it would have been a different result had Utah had their pieces for the fourth quarter. But the Grizzlies definitely took great advantage of what um, they, they were definitely playing against at that moment in time. And just made their shots and played great defense. So, yeah, and Dylan um, Brooks shot to him thirty-one points, and I believe he's a pending free agent this year. Um, if that's the oh case, yeah, someone sign Brooks immediately. Yeah, he's going to be one of the first names off the board. If that's oh yeah, the case. he is definitely going to break the bank. He's not going. He's not no a max doubt. contract type of guy. But, uh, not, not but it's, him. it's. I mean, it's going to be. It's going to be a hefty one. It might not be a max, but it's going to be a hefty one after his performance against the Warriors. And then he puts up 31 against the Jazz in game one. So, yeah. Again, he can be one of those guys we talk about as a slight overpay, but with like a very, again, John Morant, 26. Uh, one underrated storyline for this series Mike Conley was traded from Memphis to Utah. And on the other side of that was Grayson Allen, was one of the returns. And Grayson only had five points. I don't know how much of an impact, although Allen was crucial in the Memphis game, uh, Memphis Golden State. But it's just an interesting storyline that, you know, Conley's playing his former team in the playoffs. Uh, again, something to watch for this. Uh, Christian, your uh, takeaway on that uh, game one. In, uh, we don't have to go game by game for all of them. The Memphis one, at least, your takeaway from game one of that series. Um, yeah, I think we're all kind of in agreement. Like, you know, because of the play-in, they had momentum. You know, you beat a first-out Hall of Famer and Seth Curry – uh, you go, you know, you beat a first ballot Hall of Fame coach and and uh, Greg Popovich, so you got momentum going for you. And going against Memphis, eight and one, you know, we all know Donovan's out. And Rudy, I did see where it was within the five minutes because he made okay. two free throws around five fourteen left in the fourth. So he got it was the tail end of the fourth quarter, but he got fouled out at some point during that span. But with Memphis, I think I think this was the game like they had to take advantage of. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell, you know, it's kind of an injury where it's like, all right, you have a seven you have a seven game series, take a break, and you know, I don't think it's gonna be too bad. Uh I think he could play, uh, whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday when game two is, and I think Utah can, you know, jump back real quick. I think Memphis, 
will stay on their toes, though. I think they can stay hot. Uh, there's a lot of people saying, oh, Memphis is going to, you know, they're going to win the first round. I don't think so. You won by three, and congratulations to them. They, you know, upset Utah, which none of us would expect. But you won by three when your best player was out, was injured the entire night, and when probably their second best player, you know, got fouled out towards the end of the fourth quarter, and it was still a close game then. So not to discredit their win, but at the same time, like, Joe Ingles has a three, and Jordan Clarkson makes, you know, some kind of amazing play, or Conley does. I mean, Utah wins, and we don't – and we're discussing, okay, this is possibly a sweep because their best player it was out of this game, and they still won. So, I mean, congratulations to Memphis, but I think it's going to still uh, give advantage to Utah. But Memphis can't slow down at all uh, in these next couple of games. Yeah, and again, Memphis play with house money. Those teams are always dangerous. The teams that, you know, they're not supposed to, quote, unquote, be there. And, you know, they just playing with, uh, you know, house money at this point. And Utah, they're getting Mitchell back for game two. That's going to be a a factor in there. Um, I want to real quick go around. Best game you saw – I'm not going to do this every single week because that's giving me getting way too many games. But each series is one game in at this point. So, best game you saw, and for me – I think there's two clear-cut frontrunners, Milwaukee, Miami, and then New York and Atlanta, because, you know, both games decided by two points. One went to overtime, one didn't. It's the Knicks-Hawks game yesterday, just watching it. It seemed both teams going back and forth, throwing haymakers at each other. You know, you had MSG for a playoff game. It, it appeared to be a near-capacity crowd, at least on TV. I don't know what the regulations are in New York for the crowd. But that game was just insane. And you know, seeing Trey Young hit that flutter with less than a second to go at the end, and then trying to sh- and then doing that sh- to the you know, NYG or yeah MSG excuse me crowd, it was just a beautiful sight. He then was like, "It's like, yeah, they were trying to f you to me," and I was like, "You know, I'm gonna shut you guys up here real quick. You know, talk the talk and walk the walk." And again, I think the series is going seven. I think we all kind of thought they were in the boat, and I picked Atlanta, but you know, also again, New York. It's one game. They can obviously regroup and you know come back in. Do something else, something else in the next game, but again, Trey Young, it, for his playoff debut, that was a very spectacular showing. And uh, it, I don't know if you guys saw, but Danilo Gallinari appeared to go with the uh, De Niro taxi driver mohawk haircut before the game for some weird reason, and uh, he didn't really play uh, exceptionally well. He did all right. He was three of eleven. That's kind of disgusting. One of them from deep, but again, Trey Young, very spectacular showing. And, uh, of course, had the game winner. But nothing against the uh, – you know, the Knicks, Julius Randle has been playing well. RJ had a very good game. Alec Burks, though, I believe came off the bench in this game. And 9-13, Burks had one of the better showings for a, you know, kind of under-the-radar performance that for any game by the first round. But, again, my best game, Atlanta, New York, game one. This is going to be a very spectacular series. Uh, Christian, best game you saw in the first round, first – game um i mean I've, i was you know kind of agree with you i think milwaukee miami uh even though the result wasn't what i wanted i still thought that was one of the better games uh man chris Middleton, really good <laughs> he's really good and i'm glad Giannis can't hit a free throw for his life um and i think miami i think we can bounce back and recover uh tonight the game has not started 
Oh, actually, never mind. It just did. Uh, Ten to two. What a great, what a good run. Uh, <laughs> and we're gonna get swept. Uh, no, I, I think you know tonight. Hopefully, it's just kind of one of those. You know, starting off, it's not good, but hopefully, we can bounce back with that. And then, like you said, Atlanta, New York. I don't. I would not consider four and five. Like a five upsetting a four would be a big upset because they're similar in record and similar in like they have a good ceiling but not a great one. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if New York, you know, would somehow win the series against Atlanta. They finished but, with an identical forty-one thirty-one. New York Knicks went on a tiebreaker to yeah. get the four seed. Yeah, but like I said, like I don't consider a four and five to be like a major upset. Like an eight over one, that's more of an upset. Or like a six over three than a five over four. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you mean. Because really they're similar, and it's like they're a good team. They're not a great team. We'll see. Um, but with Atlanta, New York, I thought that was an amazing game. Uh, you, you know, you shot us a text saying if you're not watching it, watch <laughs> it. And I was doing some homework, and then I saw, you know, I was like, okay, I'll put on the game real quick. And that was like the one of the best last minutes I've watched. Uh, I texted Derek Rose. I thought Derek Rose kind of clutched it for them. Be like, okay, Derek's got this. You know, got this in overtime. Let's see what happens. And then Trey Young just hit the dagger layup, and I was like, all right, that's game. And uh, and like Atlanta, Trey Young. Like I said earlier about him and John Morant, I think Trey Young is one of the future top point guards in the league. Uh, after Steph, uh, after Steph leaves, you know, Kyrie. Um, he's going to be the top point guard in the next several years. And honestly, when it's all said and done, I mean, if, it, if he keeps this up, I think he could be one of the better point guards in NBA history. Yeah, Trey's still got – and again, with Ja, they both have a bright future in this league. And, you know, they could be the catalyst for a championship team if they can continue on this trajectory that they're going. And like you said, my, Milwaukee, Miami, I, I, I have this love-hate thing with Chris Milton just he always goes against Boston – but I, so I respect what he's done. He's a very solid, very a very good NBA player, and you know he, I give him a credit where credit's due. He's a he's all the talent in the world, and arguably you can make the case Milwaukee's second best player if you want to. I don't do that stuff, obviously. Anyway, Don, best game you saw uh, in the first game so far? Definitely was well. I didn't see much over the weekend, but the one that I heard about that what I thought that was really, really good was uh, Bucks Heat. Definitely Bucks Heat. Well, because it was coming down to the last second almost. Uh, and Chris Middleton shoots that mid range jumper. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Christian, but. Um, I know, I know, I know. Chris Middleton is Spencer's favorite basketball, non-Celtic. So, yeah, uh, I was talking to him about that. I was like, Chris Middleton does it again. He always finds ways to be clutch uh, in certain certain games and certain moments. So, I thought that that was my favorite game of the weekend. It will be interesting, as Christian pointed out, how uh, Giannis is not a good free throw shooter, and neither has been Simmons. We watched the. Um, Philadelphia game. Ben Simmons struggled at the line. Uh, Giannis six of thirteen from the free throw line. And there was one also attempt that I don't think is kind of the box score, 
where they actually called a 10-second violation on it because no one takes that long to shoot a free throw usually. Apparently, you got to get it off in 10 seconds or less, or it counts as a uh, violation. I was wondering against. actually what happened. I saw that. I was like, huh? <laughs> I, I, I thought it was back. a game violation or something they called. But it was like a 10, I was like, oh, that's a rare call. But maybe we'll see a hacky on his strategy going forward for uh, Miami with against Milwaukee. Um, one other topic I want to discuss is of the lower seeds, and you know, we'll count for this argument four or five because there wasn't too many upsets. But, you know, lower seeded teams, you know, Portland was a six seed. They beat the three seed Denver. Dallas, five over, I mean, it's five, four series, but Dallas beat the Clippers. Atlanta over the Knicks and then Memphis. So, of Memphis, Dallas, Atlanta, and Portland, which team is most likely, and again, we're not overrated. We're just going to, we got to analyze what we have so far. Which of those four teams is most likely to win the series? And I'll go with what I picked before Atlanta was going to win the series. I think Atlanta is the most likely team. I think they match up really well with the Knicks, but also I think it's going seven. Um, if you want to pick me with the six and the eight game, uh, those teams, I think Portland's more likely, which is weird because I picked Denver to win the title this year. Or not win the title, win the Western Conference, at least make it to the finals. Um, but between Portland and Memphis, I would choose Portland. I do think Denver does come back and take the series, though. Um, but again, I think Atlanta will win that series, though, at least. I don't know. I'll go dull. And so of Memphis, Dallas, Portland – Atlanta, which team do you think is most likely to win the first round series? Memphis, Dallas, Portland, Portland Atlanta, and, and uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Yep. Uh, um, I think probably Portland. At least I think this Portland's going to win. I picked them to win in seven, so I think That's that they true. will. I picked them to win at seven. Um, I think the absence of Jamal Murray with is gonna hurt them a lot. Um, and as long as <laughs> uh, Dame and CJ and Norman Powell keep shooting and making their shots, I think that they will pull it out. Mavs and Clippers are too good to call. Too, too close to call. But yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that series plays out. And they so, got history with last year's team yeah. playoffs. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we can't be sure if who's going to show up to play. Like, who's going to show up to play and who's not? Um, so is the Knicks and the Hawks. That's going to be an interesting one as well. Very tight. I, I'm not sure. Uh, how that one's going to play out. I had faith in the Knicks before the series started, but if the Knicks lose two straight here and the Hawks take a 2-0 lead, uh, there's going to be a lot of faith lost. Yeah. Um, I, I picked Nuggets in five. For, I forgot I had picked that for the record. So, oh, my. Anyway, uh, Christian, you, you posed this question to us earlier via text. So, I'm Christian, you have a pick, you have an answer for us. Which lower-seeded team – do you think is most likely to pull off the uh, first round upset? I think most likely. I think I would go with Dalton here and say Portland. Uh, you know, with Jamal Murray being hurt, and I mean, with Portland, they can have a lot of guys um, kind of go off and you know really help this team get into uh, the second round. You know, Dame dropped thirty four, I think. CJ dropped twenty ish. Carmelo did really well. Nurkic did well. 
Um, so, if, like, and obviously Nikolaj Jokic is probably going to win MVP. I would not be shocked if that happens. But I think if they just handle Jokic enough and Dane can go off and CJ can do what he needs to do and Carmelo can do what he can do, I mean, I think it's going to be, you know, Portland series here. Um, Atlanta, New York, I would not be shocked about uh, Atlanta winning. Uh, I think New York – I have New York winning in seven just because I think they're a, kind of like a grind, tough team, and they and they showed it uh, in the game against Atlanta, game one. Dallas and Clippers are way too close. Um, I mean, a stretch from Kawhi and Paul George has to go off in that game. Um, and then with uh, – who was the other team? Uh, the Grizzlies? Grizzlies, yeah. Grizzlies, I think they have the absolute worst chance. Um, yeah. I'll be super shocked if, you know, this is like a game seven because uh, I think Utah has this in the bag. But I think – I would say my team is Portland to uh, more likely get the upset. Yeah. yeah this is going to be – I mean, yeah, we had eight really good games. Even though the margin of victory may not show for some games, they were all interesting at least. And it's going to be – like last year's bubble playoffs were really good. You know, the first time we had that Utah-Denver where you had Mitchell and Murray going – just going back and forth, 40-plus, 50-plus point games here and there. Uh, it sucked there was no crowd. This year, at least there's – I don't know what every – because every arena is different depending on where they're located. But they're, they all have some capacity showing. I know Boston just raised it to near capacity. I think Miami because it's in Florida. I think they're at near capacity. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that, uh, you know, transpires going forward, how big of an impact the crowd does have. I mean, it seems that home court has mattered still, despite even if it's a limited crowd. And this is going to be a very – uh, fun playoffs at least, and it's gonna be something to definitely monitor. We'll yeah, we'll be back each week just breaking down what we what's transpired so far. Um, any other thing you want to discuss regarding the playoffs? Because me uh, again, here's the series rundown just for as again as we're recording this because right now my, Miami is playing right now tonight Denver Portland so those games will be obsolete. But again, Memphis up one nothing. Dallas took game one against the Clippers. Portland took game one against Denver. Lakers lost game one to Phoenix and a kind of surprising outcome, but also Phoenix playing their first home playoff game in 10 years, 11 years. They showed up for that. Uh, Brooklyn, no surprise, that won nothing on Boston. Milwaukee, has said one nothing. Atlanta's won nothing. And then Philly, the one seed, won nothing over the Wizards. Uh, Don, anything else you want to discuss regarding the NBA playoffs? Um, no, no, not really. I just want to watch some more, man. Uh, it's going to be some wild stuff. Uh, Christian, anything else you want to discuss about the NBA playoffs before we wrap the show up? Uh, I mean, right now I don't like Milwaukee, you know, being up 29 to 10 at the moment as they just make a three. Um, it's okay. But buddy. I think, I think uh, the series to watch is Phoenix LA. Uh, we all kind of, you know, we all kind of say like LA does have a really good shot of upsetting Phoenix from a seven to two. It's like, I wouldn't even consider that upset. Like, Sea Lions an upset, but like, Sea Lions are upset by me, LeBron and AD. Uh, everyone was ripping AD because he didn't have that good of a game yesterday. But, didn't show up. yeah, I mean, I mean, guys, guys have that. Guys have cold games where first game of the playoffs or, you know, just one game of, you know, a kind of win all game. They don't show up. It's fine. Yeah, as I said uh, last year, Lakers lost game one and winning a title. 
They, yeah, they were also a one seed last year, not a seven seed. Yeah, I mean, for real. Uh, and also, like, they got three games to bounce back, and I'm sure they will. Uh, I, I think they may actually take two of those games, honestly, of the next three. You know, uh, I would be remiss we didn't discuss Booker, at least briefly. Booker, he dropped 34, has seven rebounds, eight assists. I'm for glad, his, uh, Devin. Playoff debut. I got to give Booker credit. I, yeah, I'm, I'm glad because Devin Booker has been – because we always say, like, Denver needs to, like, get oh, – not Denver. Phoenix needs to get rid of him because, like, he's so good and it can help a team win. Chris Paul there, DeAndre Ayton if he comes back. I mean, this team could be on a finals run. Who knows? But uh, it would be sh- – I think that's the series to watch, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Dawn, real quick on a – I forgot to put this in notes. Booker's 34-7-8 and eight performance in game one. Oh, man, I thought it was great. Uh, he really he really took the game over after CP3 got injured. Uh, that shoulder injury. He got injured twice. He got injured, came off, and then went back in and left again. Yeah, bro, he couldn't even shoot. He was just he was just dribbling with his opposite hand. Still playing. Give the man credit, but I think that was pretty risky. Uh, but yeah, man, that's uh, game is nice. Um, still think the Lakers are gonna win the series. Well, I'm not sure if they do. Net. Well, yeah, I still think they will win the series. Yeah, this, this one game is hard to but, change it too much. You know, I mean, that was that was a very very interesting game for a game one. Uh, Got it. Do things for the betterment of the team. Uh, CP3 did just that, and uh, you know, Devin Booker taking over when CP3 got injured and stuff like that. I mean, that was that was that was tough, really tough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that was our last bit. If, again, we, we'll be back again sometime in the next week. To discuss, uh, you know, NBA playoff updates, other sports news, as always. But again, thanks for tuning in for another episode of Out of Bounds. As always, I'm your host Spencer Brown. I'm Dalton Bishop, and I'm Christian Ernst. So uh, thanks again for listening, and enjoy the rest of your day.